I was about to say, we're really excited Pastor's gone. We're not excited Pastor's gone. Uh, we're, we're glad to have him back. Um, but, uh, but I'm excited to preach is what I was trying to say. So, uh, uh, well, it's been an eventful last few weeks of youth ministry. I've always known that youth ministry was busy, uh, but then everything just gets kicked into high gear when it becomes summertime. And it's actually really fun. It's really exciting. We've got lots of uh, activities, lots of events. Obviously, there's camp and there's fundraisers for camp. And it's been really neat to, to learn. I feel like I've still got the training wheels on on my bike, which is still good because, I, I, like, literally, if, if there's anything that I forget or anything that I don't know about, I go to them. And I ask, how did you do this? How did you, how did you, you know, divide all the funds? How did you, all, all these things. So I'm really thankful for Brother Ryan and Miss Jamie and their, uh, their leadership and just helping me uh, transition at this time. But it's been a fun few weeks. And uh, I believe it was last Saturday, we had that yard, well, week before last Saturday, uh, yesterday, um, we had our yard sale fundraiser. And I was very pleased with how it went. It, it seemed to do great, and thank you all for your donations. Thank you for uh, those of you that brought things to the church. Uh, thank you, interns, for going to pick those things up. And, uh, and so it was a good time, and I really enjoyed it. We spent all day. I woke up at 5. I went out with the interns and, and Emmanuel, and we went to go put out the signs. And, and then we came back, and, and it was just a good time. It was just a really good day. And at the end of the day, I was, I was, on, I was on cloud nine, really, because we had, uh, we had, I had prayed for $5,000, and we had gotten over $5,000 that day. And so the Lord really just miraculously provided. It was, it was just a really good experience for me, uh, just this being my first year. So uh, uh, we had to go move, or we wanted to go help the Ramans move into their new house. So a few of us went over, and so we moved in, and, or moved them in. And then I came, I came back with my wife and my brother, and, uh, and we, we came in. And uh, I saw, I don't know if you guys know this. Actually, you probably don't see them. If you don't come any other time during the service, any other time other than the service, you probably don't see that we have a bunch of rabbits and a bunch of squirrels. Uh, how many of you have seen those, uh, those squirrels? Okay, so, so there's a bunch, and, it, and they don't come out when everybody's out on the lawn or anything, uh, but when sometimes I come back, and there's just tons of squirrels, and it's basically a Disney movie, because there's rabbits, and there's squirrels, and they're all, there's birds everywhere, but they're all eating the grass that I cut every week, <laughs> and I hate it. And so one day, I got the bright idea to go kill them. <laughs> uh, so I bought a pellet gun, and, uh, and uh, you know, this is, this is, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm just going to be real transparent with you this morning. It's going to be fun, okay? I don't know if it's one of my brightest ideas, but anyways, so I had, I remember we had a night where the interns and I and a few guys, we went out there with our pellet guns, and we took them out, you know, a few of them, and so we're trying to knock this population down, you know, we're trying to, we're at war, basically, at this moment. Um, and so, anyway, so we come back from yard sale, and I see a squirrel. Now, up to that point, I hadn't gotten a squirrel. Because squirrels are different than the bunnies. The bunnies will just look at you. They're like, hey, what's up? What are you doing here? <laughs> and they'll just pass out. Um, but squirrels, they're, they're pretty wise to you, okay? They, they know what you're doing. So uh, I'll walk up to a squirrel with my pellet gun, and it'll run away super quick. And they're tiny, and they run away. So anyways, up to this point, I hadn't gotten a squirrel. But I was getting serious, okay? I got a pair, okay? And I went into my backyard, and I started zeroing in my brother's rifle, who's more, it's more powerful than mine, uh, than my pistol. So I started zeroing in, so I got it to ride exactly where I wanted it. And so anywhere that I aimed my, my pellet gun, the bullet would go. So I got it. So I was like, man, I got to try this out. I got to see if I can hit one of these squirrels finally from a distance. So anyway, so 
So I, I go back there and I grab the pellet gun. Now this pellet gun's a, a black long rifle, okay? It's, it looks like this, like this. You see it? Does everybody see it? <laughs> it, looks, it looks like that. And so I walk out and uh, I see the squirrels. And so I walk out to, to our front porch kind of right there. And I just lay it down and I got it zeroed. And I breathe in, breathe out, because this is real serious business. And then pop, and I get it. So it was a real exciting time. I got my first squirrel. Yes. Man, we made $5,000 at the yard sale. I got my first squirrel. There's nothing better that could happen today. So, so anyways, I go get it. Uh, I tell my brother to come over because I show him I shot it. And so we, we dispose of it and everything. And, and as I'm walking up, I see this white car kind of pull in. And so I look at it, and, and it goes into the Muslim's uh, building property or whatever. And so anyways, I'm walking. And uh, I'm usually, I'm really courteous. So, so anyways, I see it park, and f- I forget exactly what happened. But, but I see him, and he's on the phone. And I look at him, and he does this. Ducks behind his car, you know, like the, the metal part. See, I was like, that's weird. So anyways, so he kind of pops out a little bit, and I wave at him, even though I am holding a long rifle, okay? <laughs> anyways, so I wave at him, and I walk back to my house, so... Anyways, everything's good. We go back there. We don't shoot whenever anybody's out on that property. We actually do most of any of our, you know, whatever, varmint shooting uh, in the evening times when there's nobody here and there's nobody on that side. So we, we're, we're smart about it, the best we can be. And uh, one of the things, so anyways, I go back to the house, and I go to the restroom, and my brother's just waiting to get picked up by my mom. And so I come out, and I, I don't see my brother. So I was like, where's Emmanuel? Uh, and my wife says, oh, I think he went out. And so where I laid the rifle is no longer there. So I know what he's doing. He probably went out to go see if he could get one himself. So anyways, I walk out. And as I'm walking my phone, I look at my phone, and it's got a missed call. And I'm walking just down the driveway. And as soon as I turn the corner, I see Emmanuel sitting down on the corner with a sheriff. And so I'm like, oh, I know what this is about. Man, uh, I was just, I was literally going outside because I knew that they were going to about to come to prayer. So I was going to go tell them, like, hey, you got to come back in. You know, we can't be out there with this, you know, thing that looks like a gun. Uh, and so I walk out there, and I'm, I'm, I'm literally just getting to the grass, and I hear, put your hands in the air. <laughs> Woo. Okay. So I stop, and I look to my left. And I've got two sheriff's officers, both one with an AR the other, or an M4 or whatever he had, and the other one with this pistol pointing right at me. And I'm like, all right, this is serious. <laughs> so, so I say, can I put my phone down? Because I'm not trying to, it's a black object. I don't know, you know. So they are like, yeah, put your phone down. And I walk, and they're like, well, all right, walk forward, turn around, put your hands behind your back. And I was like, I know where this is going. <laughs> I've seen cops. <laughs> and so anyways, I complied and everything. They're like, you got any weapons on you? I was like, no. I mean, I, I just got into my house, so I've, I don't even have my wallet or keys or anything in my pockets. And so anyways, they're like, uh, all right, come with us. So they don't cuff me, which I was kind of upset about. I mean, <laughs> kind of wanted to be cuffed. I mean, you, were, you had me right there. I mean, just take a little bit. <laughs> so anyways, he tells me, so they, they, they said, sit down on the curb. And so... Um, what had happened was my brother uh, went out to, like I said, to go see if he could get a squirrel himself. Uh, it turns out, obviously, they called 
And it turns out this is unusual that they were actually there that Saturday and they saw him. And so they obviously, they see a rifle, so they call the cops. Seven cops show up. Um, and so he said he, was, he went to go close the gate. He was literally about to come back in. And, uh, and these cops come down, guns pointing at him. He, the officers really praised us, both of us, especially him, for the way he reacted. He said the first thing he did, he went like this, dropped the gun. Didn't even set it on the ground. And, uh, and they actually lay, man, they had him lay on the ground. I kind of, I was kind of upset. I was like, that's more, why don't you make me lay on the ground? Do I not look like a threat to you? <laughs> Anyways. So, so he, they laid him on the ground. So obviously they said, you know, this is a, obviously, they said, uh, this is just a misunderstanding. Obviously, somebody saw you walking around with a rifle, and they called the police. So uh, just so you know, they told us very clearly. They were so nice to us afterwards. And it's funny. I'll tell you this first. They're sitting us on the curb, and they're like, who are you? Like, why are you? I mean, who else, like, would be at the church at this time? There's nobody here and everything. So, like, they basically ask you, who are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm the youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> And they kind of laugh. They're like, oh, okay. And they're like, where do you live? I was like, behind the church. And they're like, who lives at a church, you weirdo? <laughs> so anyways, it, it just, this isn't ha- like helping my case or anything. But anyways, they were super nice to us, all those things. Uh, they said, they said There's, you weren't doing anything wrong. Uh, you're allowed to do this on your private property. They said, just call your neighbors and let them know that you'll be doing this if, if you want to do it in the future. So anyways, I tell you that story, not just because it's a funny story, but to say that some days you go from the mountaintops of earning $5,000 plus for a yard sale, and then you end up at the bottom, almost being arrested for a pellet gun. You know, and that's how sometimes our life is, isn't it? I mean, sometimes you fix that one thing in the car that maybe it's a transmission, you fix it, and all of a sudden something else goes wrong. You know, or, or maybe you go to the doctor and you finally, finally get a diagnosis for what you've been dealing with and then something else in your body goes wrong. I mean, it can be like that sometimes in our life. And today in our passage, I really want to talk about <laughs> a guy who's familiar with that concept. And it's really interesting how the book of Mark uh, words it, and, the way, and we'll kind of get into that in a second. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. In our passage today, we'll learn about how Peter goes from one of his greatest victories to one of his greatest, you could say, defeats. Mark chapter 8. Before we begin, uh, we have to examine uh, a large portion of scripture, so I won't read, uh, read it together today. But we'll go and pray and ask the Lord to bless uh, our time together tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you so much for... Um, is how good you've been to me, Lord, and just uh, even just in my uh, newness, Lord, at, at what I'm doing. But Lord, you have bestowed so much grace uh, upon me and my wife, and and Lord, even today we were discussing just how how easy this transition has been, Lord, and how much you've been in it. It's been very evident, Lord, from just the way you've worked and everything. Um, and even if you didn't, we would know that this is your will. But just so thankful that I get to preach to the church tonight. Lord, let it not be my words, but let it be your words completely. Lord, I also ask you that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me power to preach what you have me to say tonight. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, like I said, we're going to talk about Peter today. So in our story, Mark is actually the book we've been going through on Wednesday nights. And so Jesus has been preaching, he's been teaching, he's been healing people. And so at this point, just prior to the text that we're going to examine tonight, 
uh, Jesus has just healed a blind man. And it's a really spectacular event that happens. He goes to the city of Bethsaida, and he heals this blind man. It's a really uh, awesome uh, story. And then the Bible says that he leaves to go to this place called Caesarea Philippi. So they're now on a journey. You you can imagine there's roads in between. There's dirt roads. And so he's taking his disciples to go to this place called Caesarea Philippi. And as they're walking along, it seems, it almost, we get the idea from the text, that Jesus all of a sudden turns to his disciples and he asks them a very pointed question. Go ahead and look with me in verse number 27. The Bible says, And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, so on his pathway, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And so it seems like a random question to ask, but as they're walking, Jesus turns to his disciples and he basically asks them, what are people saying about me? Who do people think that I am? And I can imagine that the 12, as they were walking, they all just kind of got this awkward silence because they had heard all the things that people had been saying, but maybe none of them really wanted to say, you know, those things. And so you almost get this sense of hesitation because the next thing they say, it says, and they answered, uh, John the Baptist. Some of, you, some of them say that, that Jesus was John the Baptist, resurrected from the dead. And then the others say, uh, but some say Elias or the, uh, the prophet Elijah. They say, some, some say that you're Elijah resurrected or, or brought back to life from the dead or reincarnated. And the last one, they say, some of them say you're just one of the prophets, that you're just one of the great prophets that were in the Old Testament and you've come back. So as they're walking, maybe that Jesus nods and, you know, accepts what they were saying. I mean, of course, he already knew this. He already knew what Jesus, I mean, what other people were saying about him. But then notice the next part. This is verse 29. And he saith unto them, well, whom say ye that I am? Well, now we go from a really, a pointed question to a really pointed question. Because Jesus is no longer just asking them, who do you think, or, or, or what, do, what are people saying who I am? But now he says, who do you say that I am? You personally, you disciples, you Peter, you James, you John, who do you say that I am? And although Peter is notorious for putting his foot in his mouth, although Peter is notorious for acting out of passion and things like that, he hits it on the nail head. This time, he gets it exactly right. Notice in verse 29, it says, And Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ. Peter gets it. Immediately on the first try, Jesus asks him, Who do you think that I am? And Peter right out says, You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one that we have waited for our entire life. Them as Jews, they had literally been brought up uh, believing that there was a Messiah to come, which basically means that, that there was this person that God had intended to come through the line of David that would basically conquer, the, basically bring peace on the earth. And so Peter, by saying this, he basically says, you are the Christ. You are that person. You are the fulfillment of that prophecy. And so it was evident that Peter and the other disciples, they had already come to this conclusion before this question was asked. And so Peter's kind of speaking for the rest of the disciples because they had seen his works. They had seen, like I said, he had just healed a blind man. And, and nobody could do that other than if they had the power of God on them. And so the very next thing that Jesus tells them to do is in verse 30. He says, and he charged them 
that they should tell no man of him. I don't know if you're no, I don't know if you're like me or not, but anytime I read that, I kind of ask, why is that? I mean, if Jesus is the Messiah, if he is the one that that uh, that the Jews were waiting for, then wouldn't he want them to just start preaching and teaching that the Messiah is come? Well, no. I mean, in their minds, they, they would, but we'll get to that in a second. But, but if Jesus would automatically start preaching that he's the Messiah, then the Jews would think, now's the time that the kingdom is at hand. Now we get to make Jesus our king. We get to overthrow the Roman government because they were so oppressed at that time. We get to fulfill the prophecies that God had, had already talked about. And so Jesus tells them to be quiet because, quite simply, his time is not yet come. His time to be king is not yet happened. Now, uh, it's interesting that, that we understand this passage more clearly when we understand uh, how the Jews viewed the Messiah. Like I said, they, they were looking for a king, somebody who would, who would be a leader. In our times, they were looking for a political leader, a president, somebody who would unite the kingdom, somebody who would unite them and, and make them all free and allow Israel to rule with them. That's what they were expecting. And so Jesus tells them to be quiet and not to say anything. And then notice what happens after that. So as soon as they come to this revelation, this understanding that Jesus is the Messiah, once they all accept that, the very next thing that Jesus begins to teach them is this. It says, verse 31, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So all of a sudden, like I said, Peter understands that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Christ. And so in their minds, they said, wow, okay, the kingdom is here. That means we're about to establish the earthly kingdom. Jesus is about to be reigning. And you know what else that means? He's probably going to make the 12 disciples rulers over that kingdom. So they're thinking in terms of, man, this is going to be awesome. Jesus is going to rule, and, and we're all going to have power ourselves. This is going to be great. We get to be a part of this new kingdom age, and we get to overthrow the Roman government. But then Jesus starts saying, no, wait, hold on. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to die. But not only that, I'm going to rise again the third day. Can you see how that would conflict with what their understanding was of who the Messiah was, but then what Jesus is now telling them is going to happen? It's a little confusing. Verse 32. And he spake the saying openly. He wasn't hiding it. It wasn't a secret. He talked to them. He said, I am going to die. The Jews are going to reject me. The elders are going to reject me. But I'm going to rise the third day. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Now, uh, in the teen class, uh, I have my favorite person to illustrate uh, sermons. So, uh, Alex, why don't you come over here? <laughs> All right. So, like I said, they're having this conversation. You can imagine that Peter is sitting down along with the other disciples, and Jesus is teaching them, and he's teaching them um, probably from the scriptures like Isaiah 53, where he's talking about how, uh, you know, the, the Son of Man must, must be bruised, they must, he must die, he must be rejected. And all of a sudden, Peter, once again, being the person, the spokesperson, you could say, for uh, the disciples, uh, comes up to Jesus. Now, I know Alex isn't the very good representation of Jesus, but you just got to imagine it, okay? So, so, so Alex is Jesus here today, 
And so you can imagine that maybe they're still walking or maybe they're teaching and, and uh, Peter does one of these. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yeah, hold on a second, everybody. All right. <clears throat> yeah, so Jesus, I, I know I just told you that you're the Messiah. I know I just told you that uh, you're the one who's supposed to come and rule and reign. But listen, you got to stop talking about how you're going to die. Messiahs don't die. Messiahs aren't supposed to do that. How can a king reign when he is dead? And so Peter begins to rebuke Jesus and say, no, 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 no. Jesus, you got it all wrong. You don't understand. You don't know how this works. You don't know how the, this story is supposed to go. Thanks. Okay, that was it. <laughs> so Peter rebukes Jesus. But when he had turned him about, verse 33, and looked on his disciples, he looks to his disciples, he looks to Peter, he rebuked Peter saying, and I don't know if there's any harsher terms that he could say this, get thee behind me, Satan. He literally says, get away from me, thou son of perdition, basically. Get away from me, devil. Now, that's a stark contrast from what, he, what Peter had just said and told him he's the Christ, okay? That's a, that's a pretty harsh thing to say, and it would be if we didn't really understand the text. But basically what Jesus is saying here today, he says, you know what Satan wants? Satan doesn't want me to go to that cross. And that's why he likens Peter unto Satan. He says, Satan would want nothing better but for me to be kept from the cross, to be kept from doing what I'm supposed to do. And so, so Jesus rebukes Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. And this is, this is Peter's fault. This is why, why Jesus rebukes him. It says right here, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. That word savorous just means understand. Or to, or, to, or to regard. He basically says, you have no understanding. You have no respect for the things of God. Rather, you're just thinking about the things of men. You see, Peter was so, he, he couldn't understand what Jesus was saying because he was so wrapped up in the fact that he was going to be reigning in the kingdom. He was going to be reigning in his, probably he was thinking about, there's no doubt in my mind that Peter was thinking, as well as the other disciples, I won't sing him, sing him, single him out, <laughs> because we know from other passages when, when the mother of James and John comes and says, who's going to be the person that sits on your right hand, or who's going to be second in command? Okay, we know that that's, they, the reason why they were saying all that was because they had, they had pictured a literal kingdom coming at that very moment in time. But Peter couldn't understand what Jesus was saying because Peter was so focused on the earthly things or the things of man. He says, Jesus basically says, you don't care about the things of God because you care too much about the things of man. So verse 34, and this kind of Jesus is teaching. He doesn't let it sit there. He rather teaches. Verse 34, he says, when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus corrects the error. He says, no, no, no. Being a follower of me doesn't mean you follow me for what you can get. Rather, it means the opposite. It means to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Because Peter, like I said, Peter was in it at this moment in time. He was thinking in such a physical terms that he couldn't see the reality of the kingdom. He couldn't see that. 
because he was so wrapped up on what was going on in this earth. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's, how, that's not the purpose of the Christian life. The purpose of the Christian life is not to see what you can get out of Jesus or how you can use Jesus to benefit your life. I tell the teens a lot. I say, Jesus is not just some seasoning that you put on your life. You know, oh, this will make it taste better. This will make my life better. If I have Jesus with me, man, this is going to make my life. No, that's the exact opposite of what Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches self-denial. He says, if you want to follow me, if you're real, you know, he's basically rebuking Peter again. He's saying, if you really want to be a disciple, it's not going to be because of what you can get. It's going to be because you've denied yourself. So he goes on, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And so Jesus, once again, is reiterating the fact, man, these people, they, they were so wrapped up in, in the day-to-day, going here to there, buying, selling, just providing a life for themselves on this earth that they had missed the spiritual things. And Jesus says, no. Man, if you live your life for yourself, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life to God, if you, if you lose your life for, for Jesus' sake is what he's saying, then you'll gain it. You'll have it back. You'll have it together for yourself. And so that's what Jesus is saying. So Peter did not understand the things of God because his plans, you say it this way, his plans did not align with God's plans. He didn't expect the Messiah to die. The Messiah, in his mind, the Messiah couldn't die. Because if the Messiah died, he wouldn't get his kingdom. He wouldn't get what he was wanting. So like I said, in, in, the, in the teens, I, I, every, time, every time we come to this point in the message, I always ask them, why does it matter? Why does it matter to you? We're not in Peter's shoes. We're not a Jew specifically. We're not looking directly as they were to a Messiah that would come and deliver them. And in their minds, deliver them from the Romans deliver them from oppression. So what does it mean to you? Well, the first thing I find out from the first part of the text, it says, um, I believe your personal beliefs about Jesus determine your personal destiny. And here's why. The answer to the question that Jesus asks, where he says, whom do you say I am, will directly determine where you spend eternity. If you think Jesus is a prophet, or if you think Jesus is the very Son of God, that will determine your eternity after this life. But not only that, we learn that a self-centered view of God will lead you down a path like Satan. Now that sounds really harsh, you know, comparing somebody to Satan, but listen, if we don't want what God wants, then what do we want? It's, if it's contrary to what God wants, then by, by nature, since, since Satan is, is, is everything you could say against God, then if we don't want what God wants, then we might as well want what Satan wants. And so a self-centered Christianity is worthy of rebuke. But the last thing I want to touch on is the fact that a true disciple denies themselves in favor of God. A true disciple denies what they want, their needs, their expectations, and their dreams, their hopes, they deny all of that in favor of who God is and what he has planned for them. And that's a difficult thing to learn in our life. It's difficult to, to think that, that, man, we have to deny ourselves. We literally have to reject ourselves in order to be a follower of Jesus. 
You see, many Christians live their life, or their Christian life, with God in a box. And I don't know if there's anybody in here tonight that does this, but maybe they say, God, I give you my life. I give you everything that I have as long as it fits in my box. As long as your plans align with my plans, then, Lord, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. But Jesus says, no, you can't do that. You have to deny yourself, deny what you want in search or in favor of who God is. So think about it with me today. How, how are you denying yourself this week? Tomorrow morning, what, in what way will you say, will you go to God uh, and say, Lord, I, I, I reject who I am. I reject what I want for my life, and I only want what you want for my life. And I'm willing to take up the cross and to follow you. And take up the cross is just a term of saying, it's not going to be easy to endure the trials that are, that are supposed to be in front of you. But how many of us are doing that every morning? If you're like me, then you might wake up in the morning and say, hmm, what do I want to do today? What do I want for my life today? But man, that's so contrary to what Jesus teaches. So as we live our lives this week, as we go on uh, learning about who Jesus is, let us deny ourselves, because that is the cost of true discipleship, being a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And if we do that, man, we could, we could turn Temecula upside down. We just need true disciples to do the work of God. So let's pray, and we'll have our invitation at this time. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your goodness, uh, your grace uh, in my life. Just so thankful for um, just, just how good you've been. And Lord, I, I really don't want to say that flippantly. I don't want to ever get uh, bored of it. But Lord, your, your mercies are on you every morning. And I'm so thankful for, um, for being at this church and being able to minister to these people. Lord, I just ask that you would uh, help us, that you would uh, allow us to just uh, apply this word, your words to our life. Lord, allow us to live our week out um, in light of who you are, but Lord, denying ourselves in favor of who you are. So I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. If you would all stand. We'll sing a verse of invitation, 506, wherever he leads. Just like Brother Ryan.